Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is the Grinch. Hey, that's me. What's going on? It's Jason. <laughs> I am pretty Grinchy. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's not fine. We're sitting around with our kids. There's nothing to do because they're on break and Jason's finally off work this week because we're recording a little bit before Christmas. And they're reading these books and, and playing together and there's no TV on and they want to listen to Christmas music and Jason's like, rah, 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 rah. I said it one time and I moved on. So instead, he just ignored the rest of us and fell asleep. Well, that was just an accident. I didn't mean to fall asleep. <laughs> that, that just happened to happen. It, yeah, it does happen a lot around here. Um, but it is Christmas for most of the world. If you're if you're listening to us as the straps on Friday, so we at the Board Game Mechanics want to wish you all a very merry Christmas. Um, our greatest gift as a podcast and a channel is you guys so uh thank you so much not that we'll turn away actual gifts but i know i won't <laughs> we are glad to have you um I, I don't know i don't know what more to say like i could get sappy we could talk about the spirit of giving i could pull like a linus on charlie brown christmas and quote from luke too but i won't do any of those things but just wish you all merry christmas and um, i hope you have a joyful, safe, healthy holiday. Yeah, I think that was uh, that was the best way to go about that. Thank you. Um, speaking of gifts, I have a fickle favorite this week because last week somebody just just hit me right in the feels. I I mean, you can review us. We don't we don't like shill for reviews on YouTube. I don't know if you can review on YouTube, but. Um, you know, Apple Podcasts or or even or Facebook. Um, but you can review us if you'd like to. And, and you're welcome, to be honest. I didn't even know we had Facebook reviews um, until last week. And that's probably because out of the 10, 10 of them, nine of them aren't about me, I think, actually. <laughs> uh, I, I thought there was another one about you, too. I wasn't on the podcast in 2019, was I? No. No, then maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. This is the only one. And so Ryan, Ryan M gave us um, a review last week and said, I'm going to quote it because he's my fickle favorite and I can give him airtime. This is a fun and energetic couple that isn't afraid to bring up great games from yesteryear. It can be exhausting watching other reviewers constantly pushing the newest hotness. Older titles are great games, too, and they need to be brought up every now and again for the folks just now finding out about this great hobby. I appreciate the Board Game Mechanics for doing that. And we appreciate you, Ryan. Thank you for the very nice recommendation on Facebook. Um, you, I, I love to see those. It helps. It, I mean, it also helps us know, like, are we doing okay? <laughs> I mean, I know we're only pretty okay, but... Uh, if you want to review us, you got extra time. Review us on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast app you use. Um, or even share us on your social media to let other people know about us if you think we're doing an okay job. Yeah, well, lucky for Ryan, new games are expensive. So <laughs> we will never promote them. We will That's keep playing true. the games of yesteryear. That's what we will do, yes. <laughs> the games that we get for free in trade or for $5. That is what the show is about. That's true. 
But thank you so much, Ryan, for your kind words, for taking the time just to do that, to write a review. That That's so sweet. Thank you so much. Um, in a world of internet trolls, you are a little gem. Thank you. Okay, so that's my fickle favorite for this week. Again, it could change. Again, I love all of you. Just at certain times, I love some of you more than others. I want to talk about news and crowdfunding. Got to tell you, Kickstarter, desert wasteland right now. There's a few things out there, um, but they're like in the... They're multiple weeks out, almost three weeks out of completion. And I don't like to give you super long lead times, um, not for any reason other than if I did that, I would never keep anything straight, honestly. Um, and it's just things that I find fun that I want that I checked out and want you to check out before they um, are done. I usually try to give you at least a few days um, to be able to check them out if you're interested so that being said, since I couldn't find anything really great on Kickstarter, I jumped over to another crowdfunding website called GameFound, which I know our friends over at the Board Game Rundown talk about frequently because it's full of a lot of games that they would like, a lot of fighting miniatures kind of stuff. However, right on the front page in the featured games, a game caught my eye by Kramer and Kiesling called Palaces of Carrara. Um, they're crowdfunding a second edition of this game. I guess it's super out of print. Um, I had never heard of this game because, let's be honest, no one's shocked. But it it stood out amongst all the war miniature games on this game found page, which I haven't really browsed as much. It's something to kind of get used to. I'm not used to the site. Um, but looking at Palaces of Carrara. So you're like this noble Italian family and you're going, the royal court has asked you to build some famous marble buildings. So you're collecting marble blocks um, and they're different colors and they're on this wheel. And so blocks get added um, until you get up to like a certain number. I think it's 11. And then you pay for as many as you can in a certain segment. So you're choosing, you're collecting marble blocks. You're using them then um, to pay for buildings and put them on your player board. Uh, you've got, there's, I think, nine buildings. And you've got kind of six available Italian cities to place on. Certain city types only accept certain types of marble. So you have to be aware of what kind of... Um, building you can play where um, and so once you construct some buildings you can like hit a scoring point and what's interesting is you can choose how you score so you can get and you get victory points and money or a combination of both which is nice and then in the second edition you can get um, bonuses when you score the reason this matters is so you're scoring, you can score by your city, you can score by different types of buildings, you can score by the landscapes you've got, statue placement, you know, different kinds of things. So I think that's neat that you choose how you want to score. Then once you score, other players can follow your lead and then score on their next turn if they want to get the bonus that you got. So then that's kind of like a tougher decision because you're like, ooh, I wasn't really planning on scoring now, but... I, I'd like five extra victory points or man, I could use five more coins or whatever the bonus is, which I think is a really cool kind of mechanic there. Um, 
And then they've also, in the second edition, added some more advanced set of rules, which has decorations. So you're adding um, statues and decorations to your buildings. So that's kind of upping the ways that you can score as far as points and coins and making it the game a little more challenging, which I, based on what it sounds like, why wouldn't you play with that? Because it, in my opinion, it seemed like a bit relatively easy game. But again, this is just from a basic me scanning game found. And there's more bonuses and different things in this newer version, which I think is cool. It just looks, it looks like something I would really like to play. Um, so if you, unlike me, actually know about Palace of Carrara and are interested in like an actual second printing, check this out. It's not on Kickstarter. It is on GameFound. So it has 11 days left um, before the campaign is over by the time this podcast drops. And it's $85 for the basic version, I think. And that's just my rough conversion from euros to dollars. Um there's also a deluxe version with some pretty awesome pieces, which is a bit more, I think maybe 120. Um, but they're saying that without the extras, the Kickstarter extras, they're looking for it to retail around 70 bucks once it hits stores. So if you like building palaces, marble, fun little movements, uh, unique scoring opportunities, Kramer and Kusling, check this out. Palaces of Carrara, 11 days left on GameFound, 85 bucks. Yeah, I watched Rado play through this, I think, a while ago, and it looked interesting. I it's been so long since I watched it that I remember nothing about it. But this is also Game Brewer, and they have great production. Mm -hmm. They did Paris and Gugong, so... I mean, you're going to get your money's worth out of it, but man, $85 just seems like a lot. But that's just me, I guess. Probably clearly 957 other people do not care, but <laughs> I do. Right. Oh, there's a lot of reviewers that apparently have gotten this and played it as I'm looking down here. So not us because <laughs> I didn't know about it. Yeah, and, that's true. and yeah, so that is all I've got for crowdfunding Kickstarter news this week. I mean, there's other news like I just saw they revealed that they revealed that Asmodee um, bought. Uh, why is my mind a blank? Miniature market. Miniature market. But they keep stressing that this has happened months ago and nothing has really changed. Uh yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how quickly their uh, prices go up to fifty ninety nine, um, as opposed to what they are now. We'll see. I mean, I can understand from their perspective. It's it's allowing them to have, I think, a bigger, more stores, a bigger central area, all kinds of different things. Um, but like you were saying, at some point, <laughs> when does this become a monopoly? I guess. Yeah, like, I don't know, when AT&T merged with the other big phone company, they broke that up. And I feel like Asmodee is the big game company. And the fact that they're just acquiring all these smaller ones, just becoming this behemoth, seems like that should be a little bit against the Monopoly stuff. But what do I know? What do I know? I mean, the, the one thing I could hope maybe would come out of it is by having a large game publisher that they might be able to have the money to get some shipping issues straightened out where they have their own ships and they have their own kind of continuous, you know, shipping line process kind of thing that they don't have to rely on other outside companies that are kind of making it a mess right now. But That's true. I mean, th there could be pros, but I don't know. It feels like there's going to be cons. Hmm. I don't know. But anyway, that's just... 
my random take on the news. All right, so since we didn't have any games last week due to some technical difficulties, difficulties, I can't even say the word. Um, we're it was going totally to... my fault. I, I'll come clean. <laughs> it's my fault. No, it's fine. I mean, stuff happens. We're going to talk about one of the games that we were going to talk about last week and two of the games that we played this week. So we're going to have a, a three-game games played, which is more along the normal lines this week. So let's get into it. So the first game we're going to talk about is a game called Growl. And we played this with my family that was over a few weeks ago. And we played it at eight or nine players. Nine. One of those nine players, which is almost max player count. It goes to 10. So it was pretty crazy. And effectively, what you're doing in this game is you are you're going to be, a, at the beginning of the game, you're either going to be a human or you're going to be a werewolf. And what you're trying to do if you're a human is you're trying to stay alive and not become a werewolf. What you're trying to do if you're a werewolf is spread all your infection around to all the humans to make them all werewolves because the werewolves win if only werewolves are alive and humans will win the round if at least one human is alive. So it's kind of like the game of werewolf, but this has some interesting card play where each turn there's going to be a card on offer. It's going to be maybe a wound. It could be a salve, which will negate a wound. It could be a bite or it could be a charm, which will negate a bite or it could be a gold card. And whoever's turn it is will give that card to another player. So for example, if a bite is up to me, I'm going to take the bite, and I'm going to see if anybody would want to voluntarily take it. But if I'm a werewolf, and I know somebody's not a werewolf, I don't care what anybody's saying. I can just give them that card and try to make them a werewolf because they get three bites, you have a werewolf. So it's just one of those games where you're trying to figure out who everybody is, trying to outthink everybody, and just trying to make sure your team wins over the course of three rounds to end the game with the most money. Uh, and at nine players, it is crazy and... <laughs> gets a little bit out of control and when you've been imbibing in some of the the alcoholic beverages it even gets a little bit more out of control for some so yeah what did you think about growl at the nine players it it was totally madness um some of like i never had when we played it last time i think we played it with the guys from the board game rundown and we played so it was only five i think too yeah there are five of us the strategy, I feel, is very different at five than at nine, especially when you have people that really have no concept of the of games in general <laughs> and or they play different types of games. So like Jason's Uncle Bill, uh, he plays he's a huge D&D guy, huge RPG guy, um, which is great. He and I talk about that a lot. It's fun. However, he's like creating this backstory for his character. Like normally it's like, oh, I'm a werewolf. Okay, I'm going to spread bites. Oh, I'm a human. Okay, I'm just going to try not to get bites and and try and give wounds to werewolves. Like whatever. Bill decided um, that he was just a despicable human and he was going to kill everyone that he could, including other humans, so that at least he would be the only one to survive. Yeah, I mean, his whole team would win because you still win if you're dead, but he didn't care. He didn't care. And ironically, he won two out of the three games. That's true. It was he did. the craziest thing I'd ever seen. I was like, yeah. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I can trust you. I, I just don't. I don't know. I have never played that way. Like, it just seemed insane to me. Well, and um, also at that many players, it's hard to tell what is going on on the other side of the table, too. Yeah. Because you only really care about the people who are next to you. So when there's nine people, there's what six people that you have no idea what's even going on so <laughs> yeah it's it's tricky 
And when we played, you know, half of them didn't know what was going on anyway. So that's true. So it was, yeah, it was legit. There's, there's that. I did, and this is one of those games I would like to win, but I never, I never did. I never even came close. And it doesn't um, matter though, because it's still fun. No, I still had a good time. I, I did have a good time. It was completely bananas. Um, but I, I think, I think fun was had by all. So yeah, yeah, Growl was good. Yeah, as far as like the secret role games, this one's up there for me because I like the way that the card play works and there's a little bit of game associated with it and I like that. So this is one that I'm glad that we got to do a review of and now that we have it to play. Yeah. All right, so going on from a crazy nine-player party game, earlier this week we busted out a Martin Wallace classic <laughs> about Cthulhu and Sherlock Holmes, zombies, and a bunch of crazy stuff and it's called Study and Emerald. So this was the second edition. The first edition is impossible to find. It's like $500. So I made a wow. trade for the second edition, and we played it. So this is effectively, I don't know, it's a, a secret team deck building game with some area control, um, some <laughs> assassination, some, uh, and you're trying to score points, but the points that you get throughout the game, you may not get to keep at the end of the game unless you're on a certain faction. Uh, there's two different kinds of, of teams. There's the Restorationists and the Loyalists. The Restorationists want to get the world back to the way it was before the Elder God showed up. And the Loyalists want to kill the Restorationists and let the Elder Gods stay in control because they've, they're insane and they are, have drunk the uh, Elder God Kool-Aid. So mm -hmm. you're throughout the game, you're playing cards. You're trying to go to these different locations. If you have the most influence there, you can acquire new cards for your deck. So normal deck building stuff. Um, you're also trying to get points that you will be able to keep at the end of the game. For example, when I acquire some points in the game, there's three different colors. There's black, which is neutral, which doesn't matter what team I'm on. If I get those points during the game, I can keep them at the end of the game. There's pink, which are restorationist points. If I can get those games throughout the game, but only if I'm a restorationist do I get to keep them at the end. And then there's green points that I get those points through the game, but I can only keep them at the end if I'm a loyalist. So throughout the game, you're collecting all these points, but then at the end of the game... You're basically going to reset your points back to zero, and you're going to count up your score, keeping the points that belong to your team. And then whoever has the most points is the winner um, and all that kind of thing. So there's a rule that I didn't play because it's stupid. Uh, the team who is in last place will lose an additional five points. But since Chris only had four, I felt like to have him lose five points, that would be rough. So I just kept that out. But you want to make sure that your team's not in last place too, which is crazy. So what would you think of this one and everything that it had going on? Um, in true Marty Wallace fashion, it was like the rules were like ridiculously fiddly. The, the, I'm like, the rules are oh terrible. Gosh. They're they're terrible. I, I don't know. Like I want to say I liked it because there are things I I I did like about it. Um, but I just felt like I never got to really do much, or just when I was like, okay, okay, I think I I think I get it, and I can let's let's do some things. It was over. Um. I don't know. I'd give it another go, but it it just oh, didn't quite quite get there for me, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it feels short because I think they, when they streamlined it, they wanted to make sure that it didn't go on for three or four hours like the first edition. So I think to ensure that that didn't happen, they may have gone too far the other way. It is a player-controlled timer, so if you're not scoring any points... The game's not going to end. So you can do that. But 
if you don't score any points, the game's never going to end and no one's going to win. So it's a, like it's a balance of what actions you want to take to not get points and keep the game going and what actions you want to take to actually get points and win. So I, I don't know. It might not be a game problem. It might just have been the way we were playing it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, that's why I said I played again. I'm interested to s- I guess you can't play it at two, right? You can. Yeah, you can. I wonder how that works. Um, I don't know. You, you shuffle all six of the cards. We could be on the same team. We may not be on the same team. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, also don't love area control. So, like, that part of it, as usual, I felt was frustrating and annoying. Um, it, it was just okay. It was just okay. It wasn't terrible, but I'm not like running out and saying, everyone has to play this game. But I would play it again. Maybe begrudgingly, but I would play it again. I think if, if we tried it again, maybe at three, that might solve some of the problems i don't know i I would play it at two i think it'll be fine i just think it might not be as interesting at two because you can basically go wherever you want to go and do all that kind of thing yeah uh so i liked it i like marty wallace so i liked it more than you but i've also played it by myself you know two three times so i understood the rules more than everybody else and that does help i think i felt like i i got the rules yeah after a while everybody got it i probably did a terrible job explaining it so that doesn't help i gotta admit it was a little rough at first it's been yeah. a while. It's been a while since I've said, "Oh, babe, what are you saying?" Because <laughs> usually you're really good at teaching games. That it, you're not quite there on that one, but we'll work yeah, that, on it together. That one, that one's rough. I need, yeah, I need some more practice. Just there. hard because it's Marty Wallace with all his dumb, fiddly rules. There's no trains though. That's true. Or poverty. Still ugly. I don't know. I, I don't think it was that ugly. It's all no right. London. It's no London ugly. Hey. All right, so the last game we're going to talk about is a game that we like quite a bit. Not a lot of rules here. Well, not a lot of hard rules. And this was Clank in Space, and we played the Pulse Arcade expansion that I think was just released this year. So our friend Chris brought this over. He has everything for Clank, all the promos, everything that you could possibly ever want for Clank. He has it. So we brought that over, and we played with it. Now, this is... Basically, just new boards for Clank in Space. Doesn't add any new cards, but one of the new boards gives you a motorcycle or motorbike or whatever you want to call it that you can race around on the the spaceship, which is awesome. I love it. I got first place, even though I didn't make it out of the, st- the spaceship, which was fun. Uh, there's also another tile that has the black market where you can go there, and it makes the market cheaper to buy some things, but you may have to give up some Clank or give up some health or whatever. And then there was the last module, which was the biggest change, which throughout the game, you're trying to acquire these different goals to get credits from like an arcade machine, a a token from an arcade machine, where if you put in four clank in a turn, you can get a token. And you're going to get to the last module, and you're going to cash in those tokens to get the artifact. So it's not just go to the place and get the artifact. It's have some tokens because you got to buy these artifacts. The more tokens you have, the better the artifacts you can get. So that's kind of what this this one adds to it. It's still the same base premise of the game, same Clank gameplay with those three little differences. So I know you don't love the Clank in Space one, but did this, this Pulse Arcade stuff change anything? Like the motorbike, did that sway you because motorbikes are awesome and tracks are cool? No, I thought the motorbike was stupid. Oh, I loved it. It was so fun. I didn't. I did not want to play that module, but it's fine. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't like Clank in Space that much actually. And this did not change my mind. I still don't like it. I would have rather played a different one. Um, but that's okay. I'm I'm trying to <laughs> to be sort of open-minded. Um it was cool. Like I the idea of 
the coins and stuff are interesting, um, but I feel like managing your clank and stuff is is so hard for most people anyway. I say most people because that's usually not my problem. Yeah, I had all my clank in the bag except for three. <laughs> it was not good. What? Yeah, not good. Um, that I I just feel like it's maybe too difficult and doesn't make it quite as enjoyable for lots of people. I think it also uh, drags the game out a little bit too long. Yeah, that was going to be my only complaint is it felt like it was maybe 45 minutes too long because now you have to acquire some of those goals to get the tokens before you can even try to get an artifact. And that's rough. That's rough. Yeah. So it's it's not like it's bad. I mean, it was cool. It was totally different. If you love Clank and you feel like it's played out for you, which, number one, what's your problem? Um, then, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of cool things about this expansion. Um, I don't I don't even have to have it. Like, I would just play regular Clank myself. I'm not yeah. tired of that yeah. one at all. I'm just happy getting on our legacy board and playing through that. That's fun, too. Mm-hmm. Just the mechanisms of Clank are fun. I like to playing the cards moving around on the board. That's enjoyable to me. I like some of the other expansions because it just makes it a little a little deeper and thinkier because it's not a super deep game really at its heart. So some of the expansions kind of jazz that up for me a little bit. I still can't make it out half the time, but I don't care. It's just <laughs> fun. Also, like Jason posted in like the riveted or whatever that I like purposely killed him or he made it sound like I killed him on purpose. I said, Hey, not true. Well, here's what I said. I said, man, I'd really like one more drink because I could get out of here, at least get some points, not off the spaceship, but I could get to the, you know, the safety zone. Okay. What do you do? You buy like 92 cards from the market row and then here comes a dragon dead. That's what happened. That is what happened. Don't let anything. You're not saying anything else, anything different than that because that's what happened. You killed me on purpose. It's the end of the round. I did not say, I did not specifically play a card with a monster on it. I didn't. That's random. That's luck. You could have just bought That's a magical karma, tome. That's karma, Bruce. If I had nothing to do with tome. it. You could have bought a mystic tome. I, there, I was coming out of my ears with mystic fine. tomes, man. I didn't need any more of that. It was the last round. You could have had seven points. Exactly, it's the last round. Yeah, I was getting points. That's what I was doing. I was getting cards that gave me more points. Let the record state you were a jerk. Let the record state I won. (laughs) I wouldn't have won even if I made it out, so it didn't matter. (laughs) Exactly. So you just check yourself. I I felt like I was doing great, though. I had so much money, like all these tokens that gave me points, but wasn't enough. I had like no money. I had 42 points in money. Wow. That's not helpful. Nope. It wasn't helpful. (laughs) All right. So those are some games that we played. That's what happens when you get killed at the end in Clank by someone who loves you. Um, So, yeah, we can just move on. (laughs) All right. So we are keeping on with our top 100 games of all time. And whew, we are at a good place. We're in top 20 land, people. So these are games that Jason and I will play all the time, anytime. Recommend them to people. Um, You will notice overlap in these games because the games that we love to play 
we both love to play because that's the people we play them with a lot of the time. Um, so there are different levels. You might find a few random ones here and there. Um, but these are seriously amazing games. Um, so, Jason, start us with your number 20. All right. So my number 20 is a game from some of the Italians. Again, I'm not sure which ones did this game, but it's called Council of Four. And we have the first edition of this, but I've also played the second edition. And it's exactly the same game, just the second edition one looks different. Um, but in this game, what you're doing is you are acquiring cards that are different colors. Think like Ticket to Ride. And then you're trying to use those cards to bribe one of the four different councils. So you can either move the king around to a certain location and get a free build action in the location where the king is. Or you're trying to get building permits at the other three um, councils based on the cards that you play and maybe some money. And then on a future turn, you can spend that building permit and build your emporium in the appropriate city. And when you get the building permit, you're going to get some bonuses. When you build your buildings down, you're going to fire off all the other, the bonus of where you build it, plus every other connected city that is connected to that building. And you're trying to be the first player to put all of your buildings down on the board. That triggers the end of the game. And then whoever has the most points is the winner. There's some other goals for points. Like if you're highest up on this like nobility track, you get some points. If you build all your buildings first, you get some extra points. But basically... The points that you get during the game, plus some of the contracts that you can get by building in certain color locations, are your points. Uh, it's a really, it's a pretty easy game for an Italian's game, uh, but I enjoy it and I think it's fun and I love pushing the little council meeples off the the cardboard council and seeing them fall to their death and putting a new council member in there. It's fun. Who says the new, they're dying? I say they're dying. That's how I play it. Um, but the new one with from Simon doesn't have the cool little wooden council you just pick up the mini and move it which is not as fun boring but either way if you can find that version play it because the gameplay is the same and i like it quite a bit so number 20 council of four yeah this game is good i like it better than you it will be revisited as will many of these uh my number 20 i might also be by some italians but you know i don't know anybody who makes anything it is italians yes okay and that game is Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Uh, this game is really good. Um, you've got these tower. You, it's a what do I call it? Engine builder, um, sort of tableau, a little bit in some ways. Yeah, it's got some uh, worker placement too. Worker placement, dice placement, sort of. I, the, uh, it's crazy. I wouldn't say dice poison, but it's like... <sighs> the workers are effectively dice, but everybody has the But you're not value. placing dice. Yeah, yeah, you're placing workers that are associated with the colored dice that gives them a particular value. And you're collecting cards from these towers that will maybe be in-game points. They might uh, go into one of these two engines that you can run. You are collecting resources in order to be able to pay for certain things. You're also trying to keep the church happy because um, there's a, a faith track that'll slap you around. The Pope will come. Is this where, when Catholics attack? Yeah, that's <laughs> when we from, came up when with we talked about. When Catholics attack, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be this game. It's 
there's just a, there's a lot of stuff going on, which I think makes it super interesting. Uh, there's a lot of things to balance, but I, I think that's why I love it because then you can do what you want to do. If you want to run engines repeatedly because you're getting points from that, you're maybe getting movement on the faith track for that, uh, whatever it is. Yeah, by all means do that. Um, if you'd rather say, no, nah, I'm not going to focus on on that. I'm going to collect these in-game scoring cards. You can do that as well. Like, And they're all valid strategy options. Also, you've got these cards that can be used a couple different ways. You can use them to get like a one-time bonus or something. Or if you fulfill them, they give you these really sweet like player powers that in a game that I think is really tight, money is always tight, resources is always tight. You want to do everything, but you don't have the ability to do everything. Um, those little special powers can really make or break your game. Uh, this, yeah, this game is so great. I haven't played it in a while, and I was just thinking what a tragedy that is because it's so stinking good. So that's why it's my number 20, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. There's also a, um, an expansion for this game that I would really want. It gives you an extra tower, and I'm sure other cool stuff. But it's as expensive as the game, and I yeah, just... that's crazy. We can't justify that kind of thing, but... Just the base game itself, also freaking amazing. So, I agree with all that. All right, so my number nineteen. Will you talk about it later. Later. I don't know. I need to pull up my list and look at it. So let me do that real fast. But while I, I'm doing I can't that, uh, I'll talk about my number nineteen. So my number nineteen is a game from everyone's favorite uncle, Uncle Vito. Mm. And this game is called Vinos. And this is a f this is we have the old and busted version, so the one from re what is ours Z Man, but it's also from What's Your Game. But there is a new shiny one from Eagle Griffin, which which has Eno Tool Art. It has a new streamlined version on the back of the board. But if you get the new one, you can still play the version we have on that new version. Um, so what you're doing in this is you are basically running some vineyards, producing wine, and then you're going to be selling this wine to the domestic market to some local hotels or the foreign market to get points. So the foreign market will give you points. The local market will give you money. And then you're also going to be using these uh, the bottles of wine that you've produced to enter them into the wine fair. And to do that, you need a certain, you want to have high quality wine of white or red. And then you want to take along some specialists with you to help, help you do better in the wine fair. Because Whoever does the best in the wine fair is going to get a pile of points. Um, and it's going to keep the better you do in the first round is going to help you in future rounds. So you want to always make sure that you go to the wine fair with your best wine and your best specialist. And it's got a tight action selection section where you can take nine actions, but you can only do what's next to you. Or you have to pay some money if you want to go farther or you land where someone else is. It's got a lot of stuff going on, but I enjoy it. So my number whatever we're on, uh, 19. Oh, 19, yeah. Sorry. Is Vinos. And Lorenzo is going to be talked about later for me. Ah. Um, I already talked about Vinos. It used to be like a hated game for me. I gave it another try. And I do enjoy it. Definitely not my favorite Uncle Vital game or even close, but it is good. 
Whenever 19 is from Space Cowboys, right? Yeah, let me look. I'm pretty sure. Yes, Space Cowboys, yep. I can't believe I know that. I don't remember who the designer is for the life of me. It's Brett Gilbert and Matthew Dunstan. And this game's Elysium. I have talked about this game before. I'm sure probably ad nauseum to all of you. But it is just so good. So this is a set collection kind of tableau building game where you're working with, I think they're Roman, the Roman versions of gods and goddesses. Um, each of them, what I think is cool, has kind of a different power slash scoring mechanism. So some of them really help you at the end of gameplay. Some of them are better during Um some of them are like mean to other players. There's just lots of different variety there. And there could be more variety if they'd freaking make an expansion, which I've been asking for for forever. And I know I'm not the only one. So in Elysium, you're, you're drafting these cards to collect sets. You have kind of an active playing field. And then you can also um, kind of I guess, retire in some ways, cards to Elysium, which is actually how you get end of game scoring, but their powers cease to be effective for you. Uh, So it's this great balance of choice. Like, do I keep this card? Do I go ahead and and move it to Elysium? Uh, Is it going to be worth it? You know, can I get more of this particular type? Like, it's just... It's so simple, drafting cards, um, but the choices are, are what make it really great. And I, I'm always a fan of that because, again, multi-pass to victory because you've got so many options of things to do with these cards, um, of how you want to play them. Do you want to go for like getting certain sets first? Do you want to try to get like these longest runs? Do you want to try to get a lot of in-game scoring? Like what? How do you want to go with that? Like, I, I love that. And this game is just oh, it's so well done. I even like the artwork. And it's just begging for an expansion. It would be so easy. You just add extra factions. Um, there are plenty of gods in their own pantheon that you can throw in there um, with some different scoring opportunities, some different powers. It would be amazing. So hopefully we'll see that. I love this game. It's so good. Number 19, Elysium. Yeah, this was in my videos. Um, I would probably like it more if we played it more, but I just kind of forget about it sometimes, and then it, it falls down for me. I, I don't know how you forget about it. It's so good. I don't know. I just do. I forget about lots of things. You know that. <laughs> it's true. Say no drugs, kids. <laughs> PSA alert. <laughs> um, my number 18 is a new game that we backed on Kickstarter. Oh. I don't know if we got it this year or last year. I think it showed up this year. And it's called Genotype, a Mendelian or Mendelian, I'm not sure how you say that, genetics game. And this is effectively, it's a worker placement game where you're trying to go collect money, recruit different workers to help you, um, verify genetics and pea plants, manipulate the genetic gene pool so you can get better outcomes on the dice. That's the first half of the game. Second half of the game, you're going to be rolling these dice that have different traits of the, I think there's four or five different colors. And based on how the Punnett square is set up is how 
the the probability of getting certain traits that you need for your pea plants on the die faces. So then you're going to be drafting some dice based on the spaces you can hold the dice, and then you're trying to verify your pea plants by getting those die faces to score points. The goal of the game is to score points with your pea plants. That's the easiest way, and then you're also going to be putting some of your discs down on these like research objectives where if you verify two recessive R's, of some traits you can get extra points for every card that has double little r on it it's looks amazing it has awesome production we just uh, bought the upgraded bits for it which gives you metal coins and some other nice little unnecessary stuff but looks nice (laughs) but it's a cool theme there's not another game that has this theme it's from genius games they are amazing at educational games that are really fun to play they also do cytosis periodic i think i've only played cytosis i haven't played anything else cellulose um, i think it's the new one too oh yeah cellulose yeah which is a sort of like cytosis i think but, but plants yeah, this is a, a fantastic game uh it, i like everything about it and it's pretty high for being like a pretty new game i don't know if it'll stay this high but i played it you know two three times since we've had it which is pretty good considering we have a lot of games so my number 18 genotype yeah i talked about this one a couple weeks ago it's good it sounds like it's complicated and you know oh and it's genetics it's it's not it's like gardening yeah effectively it's like a farming game but the the theme is a little nerdier yes i really like it um my number 18 is a game that was the hotness for a while and i haven't heard or seen anyone talk about this for a while and honestly I didn't like it at first because we played it wrong. And I, this might be another Italians, right? Um, yes, this is Italians. Yes. Um, and that game is Alma Mater. And I think Jason talked about this last week or something. Maybe. Somewhere around there, yeah. Somewhere. I also talked about how we played it wrong, but yeah. Yeah, we did play it wrong. Um, but you're running a college, so there's hiring professors and having lectures and working with students and... Uh, Lots of interesting things happening in this. Lots of tracks and ways to move up. And you can't do everything, but you want to do everything. And how do you get your books? Like, as an English teacher, (laughs) thinking about, like, textbooks and how expensive they are and getting the right price for them and having the right ones. Oh, man. Like, that brings back a little, like, PTSD nightmares sometimes for me. But the game is really good. It's such a unique theme uh just trying to balance all those different things and again i think because there's so much going on no one there's no you know real one way to play this i i enjoy it now that we've got it figured out i would want i want to play it more because it was fun once i'm like oh this isn't brutally hard and going nowhere (laughs) that's true yeah when you play it right it is a little easier yeah, so such a different, like, unique theme that I enjoy. Um, so my number 18 is Alma Mater. Yeah, I thought I talked about this already. Um, you did, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But, yeah, I like it. I think it's just part of, we played it wrong, like, three times, and we played it right once, and then it's hard to take back those three wrong plays. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they were really wrong. Yeah, they really made the game pretty awful. Um, so, yeah. All right, so my number 17 is a Stefan Feld game. And I'm not sure how many people actually like this one, but I really like this one. I think it looks good for a Stefan Feld game. It has color. It has cool little wooden bits that are shaped like robots. And the game is called Aquasphere. So this is effectively 
a game where you are trying to move around this aquasphere. I think there are six different like rooms in in the aquasphere where you're trying to get robots programmed up to take certain actions. There's like six different actions that you can take. And then you're going to move your scientists into one of those those hubs in the aquasphere and you're going to take that action. The actions are you're trying to get new submarines into the each of the different hubs to score points to give you more um, time throughout each round because time is like the currency. You need time to move and do a lot of things. You're trying to get black crystals because they're going to help you you have to pay crystals to get across certain point thresholds. I don't know why. That's just what you have to do. Um, you're trying to fight off octopods that are going to show up in the different aquasphere sections. You're trying to get expansions to your lab. You're trying to program more robots. So you're going to send robots to program more robots. And I think you're also trying to... There's one more that I can't remember. It's like a wild that lets you do some stuff to give you like these little red bonus things. You t- on your turn, you're basically going to either move your little scientist through this other board, and that's going to tell you what robot you can program, or you're going to take a robot off your board and you're going to put it down on the map and do something. Take the action. It's pretty easy, but the stuff that you can do, that's where the, the craziness gets involved. Everything scores you points. Um, you can lose points if you don't fight off octopods and all that kind of mess. It's good. I like it. I played over five rounds. I've played it at two-player only, and I think that's how I like it. But I think higher player counts is just going to get a little long. But if you like Stefan Feld and you haven't tried this one, check it out. My number 17, Aquasphere. I can't believe this is in your top 20, and I've never played this. I don't know if you've played a lot of Stefan Feld games, honestly. I feel like I have. I always feel like, nah, I don't. And then you're like, oh, that's a Feld. Oh, that's a Feld. But I have not played this one. I mean, you play some of the big dogs, but um, yeah, I haven't played this one with you. I've only played this one with Brandon and Matt. I played with Brandon like three times. I know. What the heck, man? I don't know. We'll have to play it. I do like this one. I guess so. Um, So my number 18 is going, or my number 17, not 18. I already did that one. My number 17 is going to shock some people. In fact, it shocked me, to be honest. <laughs> um, I don't think this is fake news. I have played this game a lot Y'all know I love deck builders. I love deck builders so much. And this is my favorite deck builder. My number 17 is Into the Echo Side, the ICP deck building game. That's right. Wicked Clowns. Super Balls is bringing you to the dark side. Oh my gosh, no. The artwork is dumb, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it is dumb. Totally, totally dumb. Every time it's on, I'm like, jeez, oh, here we go. But man, like the synergy of the card play, the fact that it's got that, you know, die rolling mechanism for the Wheel of Fate that you can use, um, the faction, like bonuses that you can get. It's just a surprisingly well-made deck builder. And because Jason loves the clowns, we play it all the time. And I, I really like it. I really like this game. It's a really good deck builder. It's criminally hard to find everybody. I'm sorry if you're a deck building lover or if you're just down with the clown. Um, it, it's just, it is a really, it's a really great deck builder. Um, you know, you are starting with kind of a crappy hand. You are playing to buy better cards, putting them in your hand, and you're eventually trying to buy these epic cards that give you really great um, powers 
in a lot of points. And once you run through the deck of those, that is the game's timer. Yeah, it's just, just, it's good. Um, I'm embarrassed to say how often I've played this and how much I like it. But it, there it is. There it is. My number 17 into the Echo side. All right. First off, you make it seem like I love ICP, like I've gone to like 42 gatherings or something. No, but you, who else knows all the lyrics to some of these really dumb songs? Lots of people. But now that we've been playing this game, I have been listening to ICP more. I, I put them aside. They were childish things, but now they're back. Um, so we can thank this game for that, I guess. But oh, yeah, great. I, I do like this game. All right. So my number 16, I think you talked about it already somewhere. And it's Dinosaur Island. This is a worker placement game where you're running a Jurassic Park. But they can't say Jurassic Park because they have to pay a lot of money. Uh, and what you're doing is you are uh, collecting DNA, getting different kinds of DNA. You're getting dinosaur recipes. Then you're trying to get people to work in your um, dinosaur park, like different types of specialists, like security guards or DNA experts, that kind of thing. Then you're going to be getting some tiles or like cages for these different dinosaurs that you have recipes for in your dinosaur park. And then you're going to be making the dinosaurs. Why do you keep saying recipes? You're not like the freaking Julia child of dinosaurs. Like that's what the instruction book says. DNA combinations for these dinosaurs. Thanks. Um, And then, but every time you create a new dinosaur, the danger in your park is going to go up. And then that means you're going to have to have higher security levels because if your danger gets too high, some of the dinosaurs can break out and eat some of your guests. And when they eat your guests, you lose money. And that's not <laughs> it's good. It's not a good time. We don't care about the guests dying, but we care about losing money. That's what That, that cannot stand. So uh, you want to make sure that your security's up and your guests can come to the park and feel, you know, as safe as you can with some live dinosaurs. Um, so yeah, it's really good. It's easy to teach. It takes up... So much room in the table, which is part of, and it takes a long time to set up. But once you get through all that, the, the teach is pretty easy. And if you like dinosaur, if you like Jurassic Park, which I love Jurassic Park, we've gone over that. I love it. Then this is a game that you should play because it's kind of mirrors the the movie pretty well. So my number nine, uh, sixteen, Dinosaur Island. Yeah, I talked about this last week. It is a really good fun game that we haven't played for a while, so we need to get it back out. My number 16 is a game that I have talked about repeatedly. It's one of the few on my top 20 that will not be repeated by Jason. And that is Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective. I have played it, though. So at least I have played this one. You have played it. You just don't want to. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Uh, Consulting Detective. Oh, this game is so good. If you're a particular type of person. So it involves a lot of reading. It is like the closest to pure deduction, detective feeling kind of game that I've played. Like, especially being a literary person, this this game is just made for me. Um, I have played through almost the entirety of the first three sets of the game. I'm on the last case on um carl carlton park carlton house carlton house and queen's park Park set and then i have the baker street irregular set waiting for me to play those cases you get kind of introduction to the case um, from sherlock and then you are sent to track down leads so you've got a map of london you've got a directory um and then you've got a book of storyline 
So you are like, okay, well, we heard there's a murder here. You can find out where the crime scene was and go check it out. Or you can go talk to the police department and see what they know. You can go to the coroner's office and see what he found out with the autopsy. You can go to the archives. You can hunt down businesses. You can question neighbors. Like it is, and it's not easy. Like I think that's why I gravitate to this game so much is it is challenging. It burns my brain. It makes me think Katie, are you worthy to run with Sherlock? Like, we're going to find out. You know, it's which is stupid. It, is that dumb? Absolutely. Sherlock Holmes is a fictional character. I don't care. This game makes me feel like I could be a smarter Sherlock Holmes. And I love that. Uh, someone once said, apparently Katie likes to read out loud to people. Uh, so she should do, like, audio books. <laughs> because I, I generally am the reader of the storyline. I occasionally do voices um, when we play Consulting Detective. I just love it that much. Now, yeah, there are other games that mimic this kind of deduction. Uh, don't talk to me about Chronicles of Crime. I cannot figure out why that game is popular. Boring. I, huh? I would rather play Consulting Detective than Chronicles of Crime. It's it's too easy. I don't know. Maybe that's me. Um, I have not played Detective, which might be good also. It looks do, kind of... We do have it. I do have it. So once I get through Consolidated Detective, I'll need someone to console myself. I have that. I also have a couple of like old school um, deduction case games. Uh, one's called Gumshoe and the other one is called... Um, you have Mythos Tales and Deadline. Oh yeah, Mythos Tales and Deadline. One of them, Deadline, was done by the people who did Consolidated Detective. That's Mythos Tales. Oh, no, there's more than one. Oh, I don't know then. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. So, Gum- I mean, Gumshoe's like old, old, from like the 80s, though. Yeah. It's old. So, I'm really excited to try those as well. But yeah, I love a good mystery. I love a good mystery. And that's, that's what you get in this game. So, my number 16, Consulting Detective, it would be higher if I could get more people to play it. And I felt like it was a better activity for people. As it stands, it's usually me and one of my best friends, and we're the only ones that play it together. Yep, that's true. Uh, my number 15 is an Uve game, and I don't, I don't know if it's my highest Uve game. Uh, I could look, but who cares? Um, and it is Lahav. <laughs> so Lahav is his foray into, um, I don't know, big, beefy worker placement, I guess, or another worker placement because he did Agricola. Uh, but in this one, you're trying to, you have one worker that you're going to move moving across different buildings that get build, get, get built with a T, not a D. And um, you can use anybody's building, but if you use someone else's building, you may have to pay them some kind of a fee or money, uh, you know, resource or money or something. But the ultimate goal is you're trying to get different types of resources, upgrade the resources, get them on your ships and sell them to get a pile of cash. Because the way you win this game is by having the most money. The trick here is the bigger the boat you get, the more you have to feed your people because it's Uve and you got to feed your people. So you're trying to manage feeding your people with, you know, getting boats for points to have better stuff to sell, upgrading your goods and all that stuff. There's a lot of stuff to do and only one worker to do it with. So you're trying to do the best you can with the time that you have because it's like 15 or something rounds and then the game is over. So efficiency. It's a game about efficiency, but I like it. 
uh it's not the it's not the hardest game to learn and teach it's really pretty easy but again it has a lot of setup and it just takes up a lot of table space but i like it so my number 15 lahav uh this one's okay i i it's a lot of setup i think there are other things i like better that do the same thing i'm surprised it's still this high on your list actually i like it yeah i still like it every time i see it on the shelf i want to play it so that's hmm. kind of why it sticks with me but we haven't but we haven't yeah you're right because we don't play a lot of heavy games that much really that much anymore hmm. all right my number 15 is a new ish game that we haven't played for a while but we played several times when we first got it and i really like it and that's hadara so Hadara is, um, I guess in theme, it's Civ building. Okay. But it is not a Civ builder. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. It's as Civ building as Seven Wonders is. Right. So you're, I don't, I don't know that it's set collection. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what set it is. collection sort of tableau building um, where you're kind of doing this neat drafting phase from five different colors of cards that correspond to different elements in the civilization. Um, culture, um, military, agriculture, you know, those different kinds of things. And so you're you're moving up these tracks, trying to improve all these different areas. You don't want to leave some too far behind. Hitting certain levels allows you to get, like, bonus tokens. You can also then um, kind of purchase... I don't what are those tiles? I don't know what they're called. That you can purchase if you have enough military and um uh, I think those are actually civilization tiles, I believe. So oh, well. yeah, I'm not sure actually. Sure. Let's get really great. The thing I like about this game, which you have heard me say a billion times, it's because that's what I like about a game. There are multiple paths to victory. I mean honestly. Like, do I want to spread out and try to get cards in every area? Do I want to kind of specialize in one area? Do I want to focus on these civilization tiles? Do I want to try to get like these ribbons and get money so I can pay to kind of get extra points through them? Um, There's just a lot of different ways. It's just a bunch of different tracks and you're managing those things. I love that. Like, the gameplay, again, not hard, but you have to make the choice. What am I going to take? What's going to work with my plan? You know, what do I need to kind of try and beef up on? It, I, I love that about a game. And I like that it's not overly complex to play, but you have, the choices can be complex. It's just a really good game. And I would like to get this out more um, because I think, I think other people would, would like it more. Um, so that's at least maybe just cause I love it more. <laughs> My number 15 is Hadara. Yeah. I talked about it a couple weeks ago, I think, or last week. I'm not sure how the numbers break down, but yeah, I like this one. Hmm. All right. So my number 14 is it's been on the list pretty high for a while. Cause I really like this game and this is called Orleans and this is a game it's tan. Um, <laughs> And it's all about pulling different workers out of a bag and then assigning them to your player board to take different kinds of actions. So there's going to be different types of workers, just like a farmer and a scholar and a knight and a fisherman. And you're going to be using those people to put on your player board. Certain combinations of people are going to let you do certain things. Like I may put a few people down. They can let me move around the map to collect different resources like um, cheese and I think wine and fabric or something. Mm-hmm. I can put some people down and it's going to let me move up on the scholar track. I can put some people down. It's going to let me hire a new knight. 
I can put some people down that's going to let me build on the map in a city that I'm in. So you're just trying to use the workers that you have as efficiently as you can to score the most points, move up on the tracks, all that kind of thing. There's also um, a board that you can, it's like an, a board where you can send some of your workers there to get special bonuses. But if you do that, your workers are gone forever. So you're also trying to see, you know, when do I need to do that? I really need to get that thing. So maybe I'm, I have enough of these people. I'll send them over there, get the bonus so they can get out of my bag. It's a really interesting thing. Uh, there's an event that's going to show up at the beginning of each round that's going to slap you around, possibly. Some of them are nice, some of them are not. Um, we have an expansion that you can make all the events hard. We've never played with that. Um, we do have an expansion that also gives you some pickup and deliver, where you can take certain goods to certain places and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. Uh, I like it. It's fun. Um, Paladins of the West Kingdom borrowed heavily from this game. But I still like the way that this one does it better. So that's why it's my number 14, Orléans. Yeah, it, it's fallen off for me. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. It still is is a good game. And I do like it better than Paladins. But it's not as high, I guess, as it once was. They all have to fall sometime. Probably because I find new games like my number 14, uh, which is, it's new. Like, super new. And new hotness. It, yeah, it is like new hotness, which, as I just read earlier, we don't ever talk about it. And I don't mean to, like, overly advocate for it necessarily. But this game is good, and it's the Belgian's Beer Race. This game should not be as fun as it is, but it is fun, and it's so funny. So in this game, you're moving around Belgium, and you're traveling to these different breweries. And you can drink beer at the breweries. You can buy beer at the breweries. You can buy cheese at the breweries. Um, you can toast other people at the breweries. Well, as you're doing this kind of like beer run, you have to get from brewery to brewery. So you could hitchhike. Uh, you could ride a bike. You could ride a bus. Sometimes you, as you drink, as it happens, you can get intoxicated. You cannot ride a bike at a certain level of intoxication. You can't accurately find your bus stop. At a certain level of intoxication. And at some point, you can just pass out. And your turn is over. Your round. For the round is over. Which may have happened to me before. This this game is, is really fun. It's it's just a movement. You're kind of managing your time. Um, so how long it takes for you to get different breweries. You're doing some set collection. Um, and you're moving up tracks. But with this crazy, like, funny kind of um, brew, what do you what do you call those brew brewery trail? I, there's a word for that. I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. But uh, it's actually the artwork's not great. It does have kind of cute little um, maple shapes, but it's again not a v- overly complicated game to play. But there is strategy involved, like, oh, how much time am I going to put in getting to this? Um, I want to get some overall goals so I can get some points that way. Oh, I need to toast some people so I can move this track. Oh, I want to go to this particular brewery because it's got, it'll move me up on this other track. Um, Lots of things to kind of manage, but not in an overwhelmingly complex way. It is so good. So that is my number 14, the Belgian Beers Race. Oh, yeah, I I love it. I I see it on the shelf all the time, and I just want to keep playing it. It's so good. Is it? Have you ever talked about it? Yeah, I think it's in like my 30s or something. Hmm. Um, yeah, I talked about it before. It's in my top 100 somewhere. I find it interesting that I like it more than you, because 
you were like desperate to buy this game. Yeah, I don't, I'm. That's. I still like it. I. I just. You apparently liked it better than me. <laughs> yeah, I never thought it would come out that way, but it's really good. I'm gonna see where I like it at. Thirty nine. I like it thirty at number thirty nine. <laughs> okay, it's my number fourteen. All right, so my number thirteen was my last year's number one. So spoiler, new number one coming for everybody this year. Um, and that <laughs> is Coimbra. And what? I think part of the reason that this fell is just because we haven't played it. Um, I'm going to assume that's why, because I still love the game. It's just, I don't think we played it at all this year. If we did, it was one time. Um, and I'm so bad. I mean, maybe losing every five minutes, every time we play it by like 100 points is starting to taint my, my opinion. But it's not the game's fault. That's me fault. But in Coimbra, what you're doing is it's a dice drafting game and dice placement game where you're going to be drafting these dice put them in your little like castle so that you know that it's your color and then you're going to be using that dice and you're going to put it on the board to take to buy a card the value of the card that of the die that you're going to put there is how much you have to spend for that card and then you're going to have to do it in turn order of whoever paid the most and all that kind of thing and then after you use it to buy a card you're going to get income from the tracks of the color of the die so if i have three purple tracks i would collect the purple income three times and that would also, you know, as I move up that track, I might get to move around the map on the board. I might get some kinds of bonuses and all that kind of thing. So it's a dice drafting and placement game. We're using dice in a couple of different ways. And you can build a little engine with some of the people that you're gathering up, um, with how you've put in from, um, the cities that you visit around the board. I'm not good at it, so I don't know why I'm explaining it. And then at the end of all that, um, whoever has most points is the winner. It's from the Italians. It has really awesome art. It doesn't. It's not tan. It's not brown. It's bright and colorful, and it has a similar art style as Alma Mater, because it's like the prequel and game sense to Alma Mater. But yeah, I like it. Uh, it'd probably be higher if I played it more, but 13 still pretty high. So I don't think it's going to be mad for falling 12 spaces. But my number 13, Coimbra. This game is so good. You're wrong. I'll talk about it later. Uh, my number 13 is a game about making dresses and coats. And that is Rococo. Uh, we have the old busted version. I want the pretty new one, but Jason said no. It's like it's over a hundred bucks. I Eagle know, Griffin's it's... mean. It's not me. It's Eagle Griffin. <laughs> so nice. You know, two art and they actually have a score track. That's true. That is nice. <laughs> that exactly. Is nice. That's what you want. Um, in Rococo, you, it's... Uh, it's contract fulfillment, area control, hand management slash sort of deck builder. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, the deck building slight, but yeah, it's in there. I mean, there's a lot of awesome stuff in this game. So you are collecting fabric and thread and lace to make dresses and coats. You can then sell them for money or you can put them on display at this party in this Rococo style mansion. And that's where your area control element kind of comes in. You can also pay to add decorations or extra things to the party like um, fireworks or um, fountains, musicians, sort of things like that. They're also going to gain you points. You're doing this. You choose your actions by playing from this hand of people who can take actions. So you've got like um, masters kind of tailors you've got apprentices and there's a journeyman maybe yeah journeyman yeah so these different levels of um, workers that allow you to do different things they can affect the quality of the clothing that you make 
Um, I like the theme. It you again, you want to do everything, but you cannot. You can only do so many things. I, I just think it's fantastic. It's it's such a good game. It's puzzly. It bur- like I don't. It's not as hard as I think. I always make it. Every time I play it, I'm like, uh, uh, what am I doing? What am I doing? The last time it got better. Uh, but there's a little bit that burns my brain in this. Uh, it's so good. It was overlooked for a long time. It got like poo-pooed by a lot of turdy gamers that were like, ooh, this theme. You dumb. Okay, the gameplay is so good. I'm glad they did this Eagle Griffin reprint so people could see how awesome of a game it is. It is my number 13, Rococo. Yeah, I think I want to talk about this really soon. So uh, <laughs> I have <yeah>. a feeling. <laughs> so my number 12 is actually my favorite version of clank and if i could if i'd played this campaign a third time it'd probably be even higher and that's clank legacy acquisitions incorporated we've played through the the legacy campaign of clank twice two different groups and man it was good every single it was every single game of both those campaigns were amazing uh just unlocking the stuff seeing how the boards changed through both the campaigns different um decisions that you could make we had different cards in both campaigns. We had different spaces on both camp uh, boards, which was just really cool. Um, but it's effectively at its heart, it's clank. So, you know, you're still doing the clanky stuff. You're going down, getting an artifact, getting out. But in this one, there might be some goals that you can try to achieve. There's some story points that's going to, you know, unlock some stuff for you to do. There's going to be new spaces that show up as you progress in the game. But at its heart, it's still clank. So if you know how to play clank, this is going to be an easy learn. You just need to make sure that you read the rule book and do everything in the order that you're supposed to do it when you're putting stickers on and stuff. Yeah, I love it. This is my favorite version of clank. I'll still play clank. I like clank in space. I like regular clank. But if someone wanted to start a third campaign of clank legacy, I would be down. I like it that much. So my number 12, clank legacy. Yes. So this also is my favorite version of Clank. Um, someone pointed out that I mentioned it twice. I mentioned Clank twice in my list. And the higher one is Clank Legacy. The one below that is regular Clank. Because as I mentioned earlier at the top of the hour here, I don't really like Clank in space that much. So that explains it. I meant to mention that before. Like, hey, I'm an idiot. I just said Clank twice. But I meant the two different versions of Clank. So clear it up. It was good. The campaign was so good. I was always skeptical skeptical about legacy games, but whew. I yeah, I definitely go through it again. Absolutely. Uh, my number twelve is an old and busted. The artwork on the board actually is the worst, one of the worst. It's just not appealing. It's not like beige and tan or anything. No, but it it's, is. It's just gross. It's just a map. Yeah. Yeah, but this game is good, and that's Concordia. I really, really like this game. The first time I played it, I had, I don't want to say an unfortunate time with it, but I played with three other people. One person, for some reason, did not understand how to play the game, so I basically played it for him. The other two people took 12 million hours on their turn. That was your first time playing that game? Yeah. Oh, I thought you played it before that. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Concordia, yes. <laughs> yes, I know it's Concordia. I at, mentioned at the jo- name of the game. Joel's parents' place. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. That was I never played that game before. Oh, I didn't. I really didn't think that was your first one. So not only did I just learn how to play it, I played it for another person, and I played with people that had AP on a game okay. that should not have that much AP. Yeah, that would suck. 
But the game, I still liked it. I was still intrigued by it. I wanted us to have it. We have the expansion that adds the salt, adds salt. Yeah, salsa. It's got a different map and salt. Yeah, salsa. I, I think I would play other maps as well. But you don't necessarily need to do that. So this is a trading in the Mediterranean game where you're moving around um, the Mediterranean, <laughs> um, placing settlements and areas so that you can then freely trade items to make money. And you're doing this uh, through this really neat like action selection mechanism with some cards in your hand that allow you to do different things. You can copy sometimes the cards of other people. You can also draft better versions of your cards as well and pay for them. Um, and then once you play it, it goes kind of in your discard pile and then you have to pay again to renew it. I like that. I, there's just a lot of good things happening in this game. It is your basic OG trading in the Mediterranean, which I don't think is a bad thing. And again, like, do I set out and try to get settlements in every single area that I can? Do I try to trade like the high end goods first? Do I try and build up some better cards that are going to give me in-game points? Like lots of different things to kind of keep track of, to look at, um, but in a very accessible kind of gameplay. It's good. I love it. It's my number 12, Concordia. Yeah, I talked about this in my 30s. I like it. It's it's good. Now, my number 11, the last one I want to talk about. Katie already talked about it, so I'm not going to say too much about it, but it is Rococo. Uh, this is about making dresses. Katie already talked about it. I like everything this game has to offer. I like the old and busted art. I like the the bits. I like the boring cards. I like all that. <laughs> I like the. It's not a super complicated game. It's solidly medium, in my opinion, um, but it gives you enough decisions to, to make it feel like it's a heavier game than it is, and I enjoy that. So... If you're looking for a game that has a lot of different mechanisms but does it well, and you can find the old one and you don't want to spend 150 bucks for the new one, I would say the old one's fine. The new one does look amazing, but the old one will work just fine. It plays well, and you know, you'll know you enjoy it still, I think. So my number 11, Rococo. Yeah, my number 11 is a newer game. Did it come out last year in 2021 or this year? I think it came out in 2020, actually. Okay. It's a game about dwarves. A good, good game about dwarves. And that's Nidavellir. Uh, I, we played this game quite a bit. And every time we played it, I was like, this game is so good. So this is a tableau building game. Maybe engine building in some ways, kind of. I don't know. Tableau building. An auction. So kind of a, a twofer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what you're doing is you've got these coins. Did you talk about this already? Yeah, I think I did. I'm not even sure if it's in my top 100, but I did mention it before, yes. How is it not in your top 100? What is wrong I don't wrong know. I said I you? think. I don't know. I, I just think about a lot of things. Who knows where it is? <laughs> Fake news, man. Um, so you have these coins. They have different values on them. Number 60. Okay. You place each coin next to a particular tavern that allows you to draft cards from there. The higher the number on the coin, the sooner you go in choosing your card. So pretty basic. However, another one of the card slots is where you place, um, another one of the coin slots is where you place two coins that you allow to add the value together to upgrade from this like little set of like bleachers. <laughs> That's the only way I know what to call it. These like risers that have 
higher numbers of coins. So there's even some strategy involved with that and trying to say, okay, well, what's the higher number I'm going to get because I, I want to get one so I can use it to get a card I really want to make a certain set that I'm trying to go for or beat somebody else out. Or um, if there's a limited number of these coins, so if the value that your two coins add up to is missing, you take the next higher one. And there are several times where I've like, oh, my two coins add up to 12. And there's nothing between 12, there's no 12, and there's nothing up to until 17. Uh, so you can really advance yourself a little bit that way as well. Um, then there are these different factions of dwarves that accrue points in different ways which is why I really like this game because, again, you are making the choice on how you want to go. Do I want to do kind of a steady, like, exponential growth in points? Do I want to – and in some ways you do have – you do want to um, – diversify your dwarf portfolio, dwarven portfolio, um, because that's how you get heroes, which are kind of amped up bonuses. And again, those heroes also give you another way to choose how you want to make your points. Do you want to add some of the factions you have? Do you want to do a set collection thing? That's kind of how I like to choose to go. Um, I like that there's these dwarven brothers and they, they kind of accumulate in points. The more of them that you get and recruit. Um, I think the artwork is neat on this. It's not a hard game to teach and to play, but sometimes the choices are tough. And you've heard me mention that probably six times tonight because that's the kind of games I like. Easy to play, but the choices matter. And so it is It is a game. It's not just a roll and move, you know, but it's a sim it could be as simple as that. Uh, so that's why my number 11 is Nedevalier. So those are our list from 20 to 11. Babe, let's recap this set of 10. All right. My number 20 is Council of Four. 19 is Vinos. 18 is Genotype. 17 is Aquasphere. 16, Dinosaur Island. 15, La Havre. 14, Orléans. 13, Coimbra. 12, Clank Legacy, Acquisitions Incorporated, and my number 11, Rococo. And my number 20 is Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Number 19 is Elysium. 18, Alma Mater. 17, Into the Echo Side. 16, Consulting Detective. 15, Hadara. 14, The Belgian Beers Race. 13, Rococo. 12, Concordia. And number 11, Nidavalier. We are at our top 10 next week so as a new year's eve kickoff we will have our top 10 games of all time vamped up for 2021 getting ready yes. for 2022 some of my top 10 gonna blow some minds about some faces and probably be highly expected so uh probably neither <laughs> of those first two things yeah i i feel like my top 10 if jason hasn't talked about them already they're in his top 10 i actually don't know I, he's told me his top 10, but I only half listen when he tells me because I, I need to see them like next to each other. I, I'm sure we have some crossover. He's mentioned this week two of my top 10. So spoiler. Ooh, spoilers. Nice. Spoiler, everybody. Um, I hope that you've found maybe some new games or want to reconsider some old games or if there's a game that we talked about you're like oh that sounds like this other game i bet they'd like that tell us 
Find us on Facebook, our Facebook group, hashtag The Riveted. It is a great place to be. Lots of fun games, um, game talk, encouragement, help, reviews, good stuff there. Um, Instagram, Twitter, and of course on the YouTubes. Uh, Jason and I have been doing videos for the top 100 outside of our 100. And we just did one this last week that got us to 101. So we're caught up. If you missed those, check those out if you want more gamey goodness. Yeah, we've had a good time. Like, I, I like doing the top 100 just because it lets me think about the games that I like that we don't play a lot. And then maybe, you know, next year I can get some of those games out and actually play them again. So the 100s and 200s are fine, are fun for me because just get to talk about games that I love. Yeah, and I hope they're fun for you guys. Um, also, with Christmas, I hope some of you get some games from Santa. So take pictures of them um, or make a list. Share that on Facebook Twitter, Instagram, wherever you can find us. We would love to hear about the games that got added to your collection for Christmas presents. Big fat stacks of games. That's what I want to see. Big fat stacks. (laughs) Spoiler, Jason got a couple games for Christmas. What? He knows what they are. (laughs) Which is annoying. Like, I love surprises. He does not love surprises. So yeah, then I, I always feel like a failure when I give him something that he already knows what it is. And he's like, no, it's cool. I want it. Like, you don't have to wrap it. I'm like, yes, I do. I would forget that you got it. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> I know you don't. All right. I think I think that's it for us tonight. Yeah, we blathered on for a long time tonight. So uh, you're going to get an, a supersized episode. A big, fat Christmas present episode, because we love you. Katie does. (laughs) Right. I love some of you more than others right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.